which now has the odds of a Fed pause today at about 98%. And as we take a look here, we see silver up about 40 cents. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcady Economics on a Wednesday morning ahead of the latest Fed meeting, which will be coming your way this afternoon just in a little bit where we will find out if the Fed does indeed, as is largely expected, pause for the first time since they began their series of interest rate hikes and now priced in about 98% that they will pause, uh, as we will talk about a little bit. Markets largely looking at a pause now with the possibility of another rate increase in July. We'll find out more about whether that happens over the next month and certainly this afternoon between the comments out of the Fed in their policy statement, as well as the press conference from Jerome Powell. But some good news as gold and silver prices up a little bit following the release of this morning's PPI producer price index reading, which showed that the PPI fell 0.3% in May. So at least some evidence, government numbers as they are, that the producer prices, which flow through to, through to the consumer price index, coming down a little bit, Again, 0.3% drop in May, leaving a 1.1% year-on-year increase, which now has the odds of a Fed pause today at about 98%. And as we take a look here, we see silver up about 40 cents on the Kitco chart, gold up $13.70 on the Kitco chart. So markets uh, taking this news well as an indication that perhaps there will be less tightening going forward. We'll see in due time if this is the last hike, as I will talk about in the rest of this video, the possibility of a hike in July still out there. So not a guarantee that we are done, but gold and silver markets rallying a little bit on the news from the PPI, which was driven by decrease in energy prices. Note here, excluding volatile food and energy components, core goods prices edged up 0.1% on the year with the core PPI up 2.8% on the year. So at least one metric suggesting that the rate of price increase coming down a bit after the surge that we saw in the last couple of years. Of course, there's also the PC index, which the Fed looks at closely, still showing 4.4% in April after 4.2% in March, a bit away from the Fed's 2% mandate. So Again, that is why the markets will be continuing to watch the commentary out of the Fed today for clues on what happens going forward. Now, on Tuesday, we did get the CPI numbers, which, as you can see by the headline here, came in at the lowest in two years. The headline number was 0.1% for the month, 4% from a year ago. And then when you take out food and energy, core rose by 0.4% on the month, 5.3% year over year. All those numbers did come in at expectations. And the big driver in the difference in between the two was that you had a 3.6% slide in energy prices, which kept the headline number a little bit lower. Now, as I'm sure you are aware, going back to Tuesday's prices in gold and silver, so they took an absolute pounding throughout the day. Uh, silver was on the Kitco chart up at about 2440, right as the news came out. And you see this somewhat familiar spike up and then driving the price down lower as it fell throughout the day. Similar 
pattern in gold where we saw gold go from almost 1970 down to 1945. Keep in mind, this was with the dollar index down by about 30 cents. So a little bit surprising to see that reaction in gold and silver. Yet, again, we know that is how things often go. It traded in the COMEX futures contracts. One note worth pointing out, though, this was something came across in Tom Luongo's column that we've also mentioned here a couple of times before. Those year-over-year -year numbers, obviously, are taking a year-over-year -year calculation. You can see these two big spikes. Those are June and July, when the month-over-month -month was one and over 1.25% in July. So soon we'll have these coming out of those year-over-year -year figures. So there's going to be a degree to which just dropping those two, and obviously as we've dropped the past uh, big spikes back in late 2021, early 2022, you're going to see that number come down. So just something to be aware of as the Fed is looking at their CPI numbers later on throughout the year, there is going to be a degree to which we can expect these numbers to be lower going forward. Also in another inflation metric that came out on Monday was the inflation outlook hit a two-year low in the latest Fed survey. And we can see here that one-year inflation expectations down 0.3% to a 4.1% rate. And if you look at the three and five years, those both increased 0.1% to readings of 3% over three years and an expected 2.7% over the five year. I'm guessing that by the time this is all said and done, those will we'll get numbers that are probably unfortunately well in excess of 3% and 2.7% especially given that even the Fed has forecast that they will be lowering interest rates in the time in between now and the end of three and five years. This isn't just Fed futures or my forecast, but something the Fed has mentioned in its own projections. And we'll see if Jerome Powell comments on, again on that in his press conference today. Although in terms of what one of the reasons why we saw the gold and silver prices get pummeled so much on Tuesday was that there was an article out of the Wall Street Journal by Nick Timoros, who is affectionately known as the Fed Whisperer, carrying on in the tradition. It used to be John Hilsenrath who would write an article basically stating what the Fed was going to do before the meeting came out. And here Nick Timoros was talking about how they are expecting that going to get the pause in the June meeting, but all eyes are going to be on whether you have that interest rate hike in the July meeting and how they are leaving their options open for that. Here you can see the article mentions Federal Reserve officials' concerns about stubbornly high inflation could lead them to signal that they prepare to lift interest rates again this year, even if they hold them steady on Wednesday. Not entirely a shocking surprise there, although I do think that had an impact as we saw the trading in gold and silver just continue lower throughout the afternoon on Tuesday. And in just a short period of time, we will see what the Fed has planned at its June meeting. And another note from Nick Timoros, this was on Twitter. He mentions, Fed Chair Jerome Powell finds himself in a place no central banker wants to be in, working to avert a credit crunch, which calls for looser monetary policy while fighting high inflation, which demands the opposite. Certainly agree with that. That's something we've talked about quite a bit on the show over the past weeks, months, and years where, again, it, it works out great 
for the people getting free money when you have the interest rates at zero percent. But of course, the problem was going to be when the Fed started to raise interest rates because you run into some of the problems that we've seen earlier this year. And you're, the Fed, not you, is left in that precarious position that he mentions here, where they're balancing that against the desire to lower interest rates again as things become tougher in the economy, with many fearing and their likely possibility of a recession, whether that is official later this year or early next year. But certainly we see the conditions in many corners of the market not so ideal. Here was actually a comment from former Dallas Fed Governor Robert Kaplan describing uh, his analysis of how this whole banking saga was going to go. Thought this was worth going over. Mentions phase one is an asset liability mismatch in several banks. Phase two began with the stock market deciding to do its own supervisory scrubbing, which we saw in the past couple months. And now we're heading into the third phase. Bank leadership at small and mid-sized banks are considering how to shrink their loan books in order to address the mark-to-market loss of capital, as well as to guard against potential deposit instability in the future. Bank leadership, very aware the economy is slowing, that we're likely entering a challenging credit environment. And while asset liability mismatches are easy to spot, assessing the quality of the loan portfolios is much more complicated, which leaves the CEOs of many small and mid-sized banks in a tough position. They can't raise equity because the stock prices are down. As a result, they turn to shrinking their loan books, finding places to pull back on loan commitments. This makes it harder for small and mid-sized businesses to get and keep their loans. And it's a quiet phase that won't make the headlines, but nevertheless, relentlessly is going on beneath the surface. Certainly, that is what we've been seeing, what I imagine we'll continue to see, even without a future rate hike. But certainly, if there is another rate hike in July, that in addition to the fact that there's a lag to the previous rate hikes, all of which we're experiencing, and Robert Kaplan describes there. And in terms of things that other government officials are mentioning, this one, perhaps shocking that she said it, not shocking that it's happening, but here Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says to expect a slow decline in U.S. dollar as reserve currency. There's Janet and see here, Yellen had previously stated her expectation that the dollar would remain unchallenged. However, it appears as though recent developments have shifted even her stance on the matter. And Yellen says that there should be an expectation of a slow decline in the U.S. dollar as a reserve currency. Speaking to Reuters, Yellen maintained her confidence in the U.S. dollar, specifically confidence that would remain the global reserve currency despite the de-dollarization efforts that have been ongoing. But just somewhat fascinating to hear that it's not just me or Andy Sheckman or other people in the gold and silver communities talking about it and noticing it, yet even Janet Yellen now saying there's an expectation of a slow decline in the dollar as reserve currency and of course, we will keep an eye on that going forward for you. And another thing that maybe you want to keep your eyes on in the weeks and months ahead, obviously, there was that crisis in the UK, British government bond market last year with their liability-driven investment programs. And we saw the yield spike last year before the Bank of England stepped in, purchased a lot of those bonds to stem the tide of those rising yields. And on Tuesday, quite a jump in some of their yields. You see the two-year yield was up at 1.22 basis points, five-year, 16 basis points, 10-year up nine basis points. And if we take a look at the chart, here is the two-year United Kingdom gilt market yield. 
And you see back in July of last year, down at 1.65, here was the spike, got up to about 4.3% in September. And now has gone well past that, up to 4.94%. And similar to what we saw last year, a bit of a rapid increase in the yield. Here is a look at the 10-year yield in the gilt market. There was what we saw last year, again, going up to 4.27, again, almost 4.3%, and has surpassed that. And going from about 3.75% in early May to current rate of around 4.47%. And that was something we talked about a bit last year. I remember some of the calls where I was talking with Vince Lancey and we were wondering if we had seen the end of this. Certainly was the possibility that we hadn't. And now we see that those yields are spiking there. Actually checked in with Vince on Tuesday morning. We were talking about that a little bit. And he was saying, well, I wonder what they do. Do they stop? raising rates? Do they have to uh, put a hold on their rate hike increases, which similar to the dynamic that we mentioned at the Federal Reserve, something they will surely be considering, although would be quite a, a bit of a turnaround quickly because here was Jonathan Haskell, an external member of the rate setting monetary policy, saying further hikes may be needed. This came out just on Monday of this week. And he's saying, as policymakers were required to make difficult judgments, continue to lean against the risk of inflation momentum, and therefore that further increases in interest rates cannot be ruled out. So facing that similar dynamic and talking about further rate increases, although that's going to have to be balanced against what they are seeing in their bond market, which again, we see yields spiking quite significantly, leading to the possibility that we could see a return of some of the issues that we saw last year. So things not going ideally well with the Global attempt to normalize interest rates, not just in the U.S., but in other places around the globe and something to keep an eye on with what is happening in England. In terms of some silver news, though, here was one that also came from Vince Lancey on his Gold Pick Substack column. And he mentions that there is a new use for silver that is developing with solid state cells being developed by Samsung. And he mentions here the best lithium ion cell for sale nowadays has about 670 watt hours per liter. Although researchers from Samsung Institute of Technology have been using very thin silver carbon film in prototype pouch cell, getting them to about 900 watt hours per liter. Also mentions another significant advantage is the size of the cell, which is around 50% smaller in terms of volume than an equivalent lithium ion battery. And considering this cell was developed by Samsung, it would not surprise us to see it first in cell phones, tablets, and laptops, but perhaps soon afterwards in cars. So just a note, as we continue to see the uh, application of silver in industrial products continue to be developed, which doesn't really show any signs of slowing anytime in our near future, which is one of the things that is leading to a lot of the silver deficit that we've seen and some of the drawdowns in inventory. And here was a note from Bai Zhaojun, who's been publishing some updates on the silver that has been coming out of the Shanghai Gold Exchange. Also mentioned here on Monday, Shanghai silver seems to be getting rid of the influence of COMEX LBMA and the closing price was trading at a premium. That was up at an equivalent of 24.72 per ounce. 
based on the yuan price in their silver contract. And he suggests this is the change brought about by the explosion of industrial demand. The time of paper silver pricing is about to become history. So certainly interesting to hear him mentioning that from his perspective. I'm going to be careful about suggesting when the official end of the paper silver pricing is actually going to happen. Obviously, that's something that we've speculated about for quite some time. And here we are sitting with the silver price in the mid-20s. So so the timing of when that really begins to change, we will see. But certainly a lot of signs pointing to us heading to that direction, perhaps sooner than later. And in terms of another interesting note that came out of China in the last couple of days, some of you may have seen a great video that James Anderson did on his SD Bullion channel. Checked in with him if we could replay a part of this because there was a report out of the China Buy newspaper where they were talking about the international silver market needs reform. Thought that was pretty darn interesting. Again, from a Chinese perspective, and James did give me permission to play a little bit of him reading that letter here. With that said, here is what they had in that report. Earlier this week, there was an open article written in China by News calling for international silver market reform, explicitly citing the ridiculous outsized paper derivative leverage used in the West by the COMEX and City of London's LBMA markets in order to keep gold and especially silver values at still suppressed levels. The author cuts to the chase regarding diminishing silver bullion supplies globally, stating the following. In China, industrial silver accounts for nearly 70% of the total silver consumption compared to less than 15% 20 years ago. From the development of intelligent industry and new energy, the demand for silver will continue to grow in the future. It's terrifying that the world's proven silver deposits with mining value are now less than 0.56 million tons U.S. Geological Survey. At the current annual mining rate of nearly 30,000 tons, the silver mineral resources will be dried up in less than 20 years. Recycling silver is one way to address the source of raw materials. However, the extremely unreasonable low price of silver currently does not support silver recycling. Jingu Silver Industry is the current recycled silver enterprise in China. From the financial figures below, it can be seen that even though Jingu Silver created a revenue of 1.4 billion yuan, its gross profit margin was negative 0.68% and its net profit was a loss of 9.7 million yuan. On the one hand, the demand for silver industry is continuously increasing, and on the other hand, silver resources are gradually depleting. Within 20 years, we will inevitably encounter a silver depletion crisis, leading to a serious shortage of industrial silver, causing a significant decline in production capacity in intelligent industries, new energy, EV, 5G, and other industries, while prices skyrocket. The result is a serious stagnation, generational decline, and even regression of industrial civilization. This has not attracted high attention from the international market. On the contrary, COMEX, LBMA's large capital use trivial topics such as labor reports, interest rate hikes, and debt ceilings to make price fluctuations, manipulating the market with a large amount of paper silver, and various derivatives without physical support and make money from them. Are labor reports, interest rate hikes, and debt ceilings more important than the extension of a precious metals mine? Is there anything more important than the reversion of human industrial civilization? The silver industry lacks an organization like OPEC to regulate the industry and protect its own interests. Overexploitation and selling cheap are two major problems in the current market. We need an organization to constrain mining companies, implement quotas, and limit production. At the same time, it's necessary to establish price protection measures and strictly prohibit low-price dumping. 
Protecting silver resources can greatly delay the time when silver mines are depleted. In this way, we have time to develop new alternative materials to ensure the continuation of industrial civilization. The price of silver should be adjusted as soon as possible. Cheap selling results in a large amount of silver waste and makes recycling silver unprofitable. Raising prices to three digits or higher can effectively curb waste, stimulate the silver recycling industry, suppress non-industrial demand, and extend the time of silver depletion by regulating supply and demand. The existence of a large number of derivatives in silver futures and high leverage trading should be prohibited. Paper silver without physical support should be classified as commercial fraud crimes and naked short trading is prohibited. High leverage trading should be recognized as excessive speculation and disruption of market supply and demand as well as market manipulation crimes and prohibited and severely cracked down on. Silver should be protected as a special precious metal with special industrial value and closely linked to human industrial civilization. On the night of May 31st, 2023, Musk made a surprise visit to China. Late at night, he visited the Tesla Superfactory in Shanghai and delivered an important speech to thousands of employees. Subsequently, he met with China's foreign minister, minister of industrial information technology and minister of commerce, mainly discussing the expansion of new energy vehicle factories, intelligent networking, and the construction of the world's largest energy storage superfactory. Tesla China's total sales in the first quarter were 229,300 vehicles, approaching 1 million vehicles for the entire year. I'm not sure if the sudden withdrawal of 152.9 tons of silver from the Zonggong May supply chain silver inventory located in Pudong of Shanghai on May 23, 2023 on Shanghai Futures Exchange was related to Musk's new energy storage superfactory. But it's clear that Musk's fate has been closely bound to silver. It's hard to imagine how Tesla EVs, energy storage superfactories, home solar power plants, and star chain will continue to advance once silver runs out. Learn from Musk. For the continuation of human industrial civilization, it's time to take action. So thank you to James for allowing me to share that. That came from his fantastic SD Bullion channel. That's the video here, Chinese call for international silver market reform. And we can see that now it's not just commentary out of the silver bugs in the U.S. that are noticing some of these things, but especially with the demand that is ongoing globally and industrially and with the declining inventory stockpiles, now we're seeing that being talked about in China as well, perhaps was probably already being talked about quite a bit in China in places that I may not have necessarily been, but hopefully that puts it in context so you can at least see some of the things that are going on. And another thing I wanted to point out, we did have that Newmont mine get shut down, the Penasquito mine in Mexico. That happened last week. Vince also commented on that in his Monday report, but really a big mine. So I wanted to take a few minutes to talk about that a little bit here. As you can see, Newmont suspended operations at the Penasquito mine. This was due to a labor dispute and their mine, and certainly a significant one, because if we take a look back to the World Silver Survey that came out just about two months ago on page 70, which shows the top 30 silver producing mines, we can see that Penasquito number two, which produced 32 million ounces last year. So certainly a big chunk. And of course, We'll see how long that mine is shut down. I would expect at some point there's going to be a resolution, but along with the new changes to the Mexican mining laws that came into effect last month, we'll see if those are upheld. Obviously going to be a lot of discussion and attempts to appeal some of those, but not getting easier to produce silver with the things that are going on, certainly out of Mexico, 
which does remain the largest silver producer. So some interesting dynamics along with the growing use for silver in the industrial side and also on the investment side. So going to be a lot to think about as we watch the second half of this year with whatever the Federal Reserve has in store in the midst of a somewhat dubious situation in the silver supply and demand fundamentals, at least dubious in my opinion for those who are short silver, uh, given that there was that deficit last year and indications that things are not exactly getting resolved there. Although fortunately, as we wrap up, one of the companies that would be certainly in position to benefit from that is First Majestic Silver, who kindly brought us today's video. Obviously, First Majestic Silver, one of the largest primary silver producers. And big news out of First Majestic in the last quarter was they did shut down their Jarrett Canyon mine, where costs had been on the higher side and they'd run into some issues in ramping up that project. So temporarily suspending Jarrett Canyon as they continue exploration there. And one of the positive effects of that is that the cash costs that came in last quarter at 15, 16 per ounce and the all in sustaining costs that came in at 20, 90 per ounce minus Jared Canyon go down to 1185 per ounce and all in sustaining of 1538 per ounce. And with the silver price, certainly should it stay around that $24 range or if we, of course, see an escalation in the price would be good news for First Majestic. And we will find out more about that when they have their second quarter earnings. But either case, going to wrap up for today. Enjoy the action out of the Federal Reserve in just a little bit. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. And we will look forward to seeing you back here again tomorrow.